Hey, Tyler Shields here, pastor of Rock House Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to be the person that God desires you to be. Be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more about how to connect, grow, and go. And now, today's message. Well, good morning again. It's, uh, I would say it's great to see you, but I don't see you. Hopefully you can see me. And uh, we've been working on our, uh, our video this morning. And uh, hopefully the quality is a little bit better for you. I about lost this thing just for a minute. Uh, hopefully our video quality is a little better than it has been. Wherever you're at, whether you're at home, or you're watching from your office, or you're listening as you drive down the road, we just want to say God bless you. Thank you for being with us today. And I want to share a couple of announcements with you. Uh, first of all, our plans for Easter, which is next Sunday. I cannot believe Easter is already here. But next Sunday, our plans for a resurrection celebration is to have a drive-in service down on the new church property. Uh, our plan is to set up there and start begin broadcasting at 11 a.m. Uh, we're hoping to be able to uh, broadcast over FM radio in that local area. That you should be able to pick up on your car's radio. And so you can pull in. We're going to ask everyone to try and stay in their vehicles to uh, remain uh, obedient to these uh regulations that, that our government has put out to try and keep everybody safe. And if we can do that, if you can abide by those rules, then we encourage you to come, and, and that's, that's about as close as we can get to worshiping together in one place without actually coming in contact with one another. So we begin early this year uh, reading through the Word together. We call it Going Through the Word, or uh, Word 2020. And our whole entire church has been reading through the Bible together. And going along with that, we've been preaching one of the passages that we've been assigned each week. And really, at this point, just following the story of God's people from creation through God choosing a people through this man of called Abraham and his descendants and his family to be calling a nation for himself out of the land of Egypt and bringing them into the land that he had promised them. And all along the way, from the very beginning when mankind fell uh, and sinned against God in the garden, we have seen a, a picture of God's plan of redemption. Last week we saw the Israelites finally, I mean it seems like this has been building up for so long now, but they finally enter into the promised land under the leadership of Joshua. And they begin the conquest of taking this land and, and really going to war and systematically taking over the land that God had promised to give them. And the first task was to take this city fortress called Jericho. And we all know the story of Jer Joshua fighting the battle of Jericho. And that's what we talked about last week. But just like any impossible task that God calls us to, God had just the right people in just the right place at just the right time, just like He always does. And He brings into His family a very unlikely character named Rahab and all of her family, all the people she could fit in her house. And that story 
paints a beautiful picture of God's grace for us. And by God's blessing and His miraculous help, of course, the people take the city of Jericho. And over the next several years, they systematically take the land that God has given them. However, as time goes on, just like people do, the people begin to forget. The generations die off and the people forget what the Lord has done for them. They forget about Egypt. They forget about Moses and Joshua and all these miracles God has done. They go so far to forget who the Lord even is. In the book of Joshua, the people, uh, towards the end, as Joshua dies off and we enter a new period, the people begin to do really whatever they want to do. And that's the theme, the recurring theme of the next book, the book of Judges, that there was no king in Israel, and every man did just as he pleased. Sounds a lot like today in a lot of ways, doesn't it? Morally and spiritually, the nation of Israel, the, the, the family of God, went bankrupt. It just begins to fall apart. And this era spans from the conquest of Joshua all the way to the time of Israel's very first kings with Saul and David and Solomon. And it's during this very sad and, and tragic period of history where you read a lot of, uh, about a lot of really weird things happening in the book of Judges that this amazing, it's, it's a short but sweet love story takes place. There's this small four-chapter book right there in the middle of the Old Testament called Ruth. And it's one of only two books in the entire Bible that, is, that are named after women, Esther and Ruth. And this book, first of all, gives us even more insight into this period of the judges. But more importantly than that, it provides a very, very clear picture, as we sang about this morning, of God's love for His people. So through a very unique relationship of the ancient Near East, there's another piece of that scarlet thread of redemption that we talked about last week. And this week in the book of Ruth, we're going to see a picture of Christ as what we will call the kinsman redeemer. That's our theme this morning. And today I want to focus in on the fourth chapter of the book of Ruth, we're going to basically go through the entire story. It's so short, but I want to emphasize the fourth chapter, which is the, the climax of this story. And I want to give you a little background story on Ruth and these characters before we get into our, our main message this morning. So in the book of Ruth, there's a lady by the name of Naomi. And Naomi was married and together her and her husband had two sons that... Her husband, though, eventually dies. And in this period of time, in this place in the world, this was a real problem. And so when her husband died, um, well, she really had to rely on her closest relatives. That's the way it worked for a woman in this period and in this time. So fortunately for Naomi, she had two sons. That went well for about 10 years. And then guess what? Her sons die too. So now Naomi is in a land away from her original family. Her sons are dead. Her husband is dead. She has no other family other than these two daughters-in-law that she's stuck with. And so really her only choice for survival was to travel back to her own people in Israel around Bethlehem. And she encourages her young daughters-in-law to go back to their mother's homes. 
go back to their families, begin looking for new husbands. She says, guys, look, you can stay with me if you want, but even if I get married today and have more sons, what are you going to do, sit around and wait on them to grow up? It's just not going to work. You need to go back to your own family and start life over again. One of those daughters-in-law agreed to this. The other one, though, she just wasn't going to have it, and that was Ruth. Ruth commits to staying with her mother-in-law, Naomi, through thick and through thin. And she says these beautiful words that maybe you've heard before in Ruth chapter 1. She tells Naomi, Don't plead with me to abandon you or to return and not follow you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me and do so severely if anything but death separates you and me. Now, I think those are beautiful words for a wedding ceremony. And here is just a picture of a friendship, of a family, of a daughter-in-law and a mother-in-law. What an incredible portrait of friendship. Man, we need a lot of friends like that today. Commitment. We, we are so afraid to be committed for whatever reason. But here Ruth was totally and wholeheartedly committed to her mother-in-law, Naomi. And so together, Ruth and Naomi set off for Naomi's family, her nearest relatives, the Hebrews that lived near Bethlehem in this time. And Ruth ends up meeting a relative of Naomi's named Boaz. What a cool name. Meets old Boaz. And he immediately takes an interest in her, but not just for her beauty, but for her character. She, uh, once she gets up there, they find out she has this pretty strong work ethic. She's taking care of her mother-in-law, Naomi. The whole uh, city, the whole town begins to realize that she's a woman of, the Bible says, noble character. And so Boaz begins to show Ruth undeserved favor. And I say it's undeserved because she's an outsider. She is not an Israelite. She's a Moabite woman. And it's a picture, I believe, of God's grace for we Gentiles all the way back, even more than a thousand years before Christ set foot on this earth. And so Naomi sees how this relationship is beginning to blossom. And she instructs Ruth on how to request from Boaz to become what the Bible calls a kinsman redeemer or a family redeemer. And the way this worked is something that's kind of foreign to us today, but it's such an important picture of Jesus, as we'll see. The way this worked was a kinsman redeemer could buy back a family member's land. Say somebody died, as in the case of Naomi's husband. They could redeem or buy back that land if that person passed away. Or they could even buy back or redeem family members who had fallen into debt slavery. They got in so much debt they couldn't pay it back, and so now they were slaves. They could redeem those actual people. And in some cases the Redeemer would actually perpetuate the dead man's name on his land by having children, marrying and having children with the widow. I know it sounds like a pretty odd practice for readers in the 21st century, but in this agrarian society in the ancient Near East and Palestine, so many years ago, this was a very helpful and beneficial practice. Think about it, especially for those that needed to be redeemed. So long story short, Boaz is pleased to act as kinsman redeemer for Ruth. The only problem is, 
there's another relative that stands in the way. He's a little bit more closely related to Naomi and her family, and he's rightfully the one that should be the kinsman redeemer. And so Boaz has to go out to the city gate there in the town to conduct business. And today it would be kind of like going down to the courthouse. It was where everything took place. And you had all these people sitting around, the elders of the town or the city sitting around, and they acted kind of as the town judges. That brings us to Ruth chapter 4. Let's read through some of these verses together. The Bible says, Boaz went to the gate of the town and sat down there. And soon the family redeemer Boaz had spoken about came by. And Boaz said, come over here and sit down. I just picture Boaz being like that. I don't know why I just picture him being like a John Wayne cop guy. And so cause, cause here's what happened. So he went over and sat down. Then Boaz took ten men of the town's elders and said, sit here. And they sat down. See, it's like Boaz just has all this authority. He said to the Redeemer, Naomi who has returned from the territory of Moab, is selling the portion of the field that belonged to our brother Elimelech. I thought I should inform you, buy it back in the presence of those seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you want to redeem it, do it. But if you do not want to redeem it, tell me so that I will know because there isn't anyone other than you to redeem it. And I am next after you. I want to redeem it, he answered. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the field from Naomi, you will acquire Ruth, the Moabitess, the wife of the deceased man, to perpetuate the man's name on his property. So then things change a little. The Redeemer replied, I can't redeem it myself, or I will ruin my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption because I can't redeem it. And so at first, this other unnamed relative wants to redeem the land. He's glad to take this land and make it his own. But when he finds out that Ruth, the Moabite woman, is part of this deal, he backs out. He doesn't want to bring a Moabitess into his house. He doesn't want to make this outsider his wife and begin to... Uh, harm his reputation, harm his inheritance for his other children. So he's unwilling and he's unable, and so he backs out. And he tells Boaz he simply cannot act as the kinsman redeemer. Boaz can do it. And so this unnamed man, it's, it's interesting that, that he, he remains unnamed, but he's a relative to Boaz and Elimelech and to Naomi. And for us, he represents this one, this person, this figure that cannot redeem. Either he's a unwilling or he's unable. And like we talked about several weeks back with the giving of the law of Moses, the law in and of itself was unable to save a person. The law is unable to redeem a person. It does its job to point us to the need for redemption and our need for salvation. It points us to the fact that we desperately do need a redeemer. But thank God he had a Redeemer lined up. Just like God always has the right person in place, he had a Redeemer lined up. And just like God's grace gave us a Redeemer in the Lord Jesus Christ, God's grace for Naomi and Ruth gave them Boaz, and he steps up to the plate and accepts the role of becoming a kinsman Redeemer for Ruth the Moabite. Notice what happens all the way down in verse 
11 and 12. Verses 11 and 12. It says, All the people who were at the city gate, including the elders, said, We are witnesses. And get this. May the Lord make the woman who is entering your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built the house of Israel. May you be powerful in Ephrathath and your name well known in Bethlehem. May your house become like the house of Perez, the son of Tamar, born of Judah, because of the offspring the Lord will give you by this young woman. So what a blessing, first of all, for this woman to be considered like Rachel and Leah, the mothers, literally the mothers of the nation of Israel. But there's good reason for this. There's good reason for what I believe are prophetic words from the people gathered around this gate. Boaz and Ruth would come together and they would have this son by the name of Obed. Obed would be a great name for a son, by the way. And Obed would be the grandfather to another Bethlehem boy who would grow up and become arguably the greatest king in the history of all Israel. A man by the name of King David, the giant slayer, the warrior king. And many, many, many years later, out of this same bloodline began here between Boaz and Ruth, would come even another Bethlehem boy, another great king, another kinsman redeemer. And guess what his name would be called? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Isn't that awesome way God puts these little pieces together even so far back? And just like Boaz claimed his bride and he redeemed his bride. Jesus Christ would come into our world. Gosh, guys, we need him so desperately even today. And he would come into our world to us who are foreigners, who are outsiders. We're just like this Moabite woman. And he would claim us and he would redeem us and he would prove his love for us by going to the cross and dying on our behalf and literally redeeming us by his very blood. What a love story. And just like this Moabite woman named Ruth, folks, we were desperately in need of a Redeemer. We were hopeless. We were helpless. We had no other possible way to be redeemed and to be saved. And we needed a Savior. And God sent us a kinsman Redeemer at just the right time for us. And this morning we celebrate what we call Palm Sunday. As we mentioned during our worship service, it's the day that Jesus rode into uh, the city of Jerusalem there on, a, on the back of a donkey. And the people gathered around and they waved these palm branches shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King, as John says. Hosanna is a, an old Hebrew word that means it's a word of praise or adoration. It stems from a word that's a plea for salvation. You could actually say that it, in a sense it's a, pra- it's a word of praise, but it also means God Save us. God, give us salvation. And for us, I believe it's a reminder that Jesus came back, as he would say, to seek and to save that which was lost. And as God's Son, as the perfect, unblemished Lamb of God riding into Jerusalem to be, uh, to be tried, he came to do what the law could not do. He came to do what we could not do on our own and by ourselves. He came to redeem us. Not from a slave of debt and not because someone had died and left us, but because to, to, to free us from the slavery of sin and death. And in doing so, Jesus paid a price 
that we could never pay ourselves. And he paid it for a debt that he did not owe. And the reason, the reason he did this, it's the same reason Boaz redeemed Ruth. Because he loved his bride. <laughs> he died for you because he loves you. He knows what you've done. He knows where you've been. He knows every hair on your head. And he still loves you enough to die for you. The Bible says while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And just like this love story nestled here in the middle of the Old Testament, it tells us a beautiful love story between a groom and a bride. All of God's Word, from the beginning to the end, tells us the greatest love story that's ever been told. I like to think that I've got a pretty good love story with my bride, but I'll tell you, it doesn't compare to God's love story about Christ the Redeemer, this faithful bridegroom, and His unfailing love for His bride, the church. Today on Palm Sunday, we need to praise the Lord for that. If you've experienced His love, you need to give Him a big shout of praise right now in your living room. Gosh, God is so good. But now listen, if you have never experienced that love, if you don't know what I'm talking about and what it feels like to be saved and redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, then today you need to accept His free gift of salvation. And you can do that right there in your living room, right there in your car, wherever you are this morning. And if you'd like for us to pray with you, or if you need a little bit of guidance, please feel free to drop us a message or however you need to do it. We'd love to, to pray with you and talk with you. Church, I love you. I can't wait till we can be back together in person. And until that time, may God bless you. I'm going to close us out in a word of prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for allowing us in some form, some fashion, to be able to come together somewhat as a church this morning, as your bride whom you love deeply, to worship you, to listen to your word. And God, I thank you for these stories. God, just like this little book of Ruth that teaches us about your love for us, and God, if there's someone out there, then they're wondering if they can be loved by God. They're wondering if God does love them, if He can forgive them. God, I pray that right now they would just feel Your overwhelming love. That they would sense the Holy Spirit, God, in their life, drawing them to You. Lord Jesus, we thank You for riding into that city, knowing the way that it was going to end that, that week 2,000 years ago. Thank You for becoming the sacrificial lamb for us, for giving Your life, for your bride, so that we could have everlasting life through you. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. And remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.